Hey everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so this week I am very excited to introduce you all to the newest member of the bike review team, Simon Stewart. Or I should probably say reintroduce, because Simon's actually been on the podcast a few times before in prior roles, but he's now a full-time member of our bike review staff, and so Simon and I sat down to talk about a bunch of the bikes we've been reviewing, including a whole bunch of 140-ish millimeter travel trail bikes, and kind of chop it up about the ways in which those bikes are actually, in many cases, very, very different from each other, despite some fairly notable similarities on paper. And we get into some other stuff, too, including the new Transition Smuggler and some talk about e-bikes as well. So this is a fun one. Simon's got a lot of good stuff to say about a bunch of different bikes. And so let's get right to it. Well, Simon, welcome back onto Bikes and Big Ideas, and great to have you on here in your new capacity as the latest member of the Blister Bike Review team. Great to have you join us, and as I sort of alluded to there, you've been on here a few times before chatting about some other stuff, but now we're going to be talking about bikes that you're reviewing. So welcome, and how about you give yourself a little introduction for folks who might not remember you from past appearances? Thanks, David. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, And really excited to talk about bikes um as you know it's something i do enjoy talking about and probably talk about more than anything else and uh well what would you um what would you like to know i guess we can just kick it off by going into what you've been testing a little bit here so what's first on the list i believe we have uh we have an esco rowel on the list this is this is a this is an interesting bike in um in, in many areas actually because um it is a fairly new brand that came out in 2018 uh, with a 27.5 LCAT and then a couple of years later with a 29 Rao. So if you're not familiar with Esker, uh, they are a brand that is based out of Minneapolis, but they have a engineer that's doing design work for them out of Whitefish, Montana. So you could argue that the, that the bikes are designed around Rocky Mountain riding with a little bit of um, Minneapolis thrown in there, perhaps. So they are using a Dave Weagle design suspension. So that that is the anchor here because, I mean, think about this for a second. A brand that young being able to uh, to get a Dave Weagle design is pretty cool and pretty unique, I think. And uh, this one specifically is called Orion Dynamics. Um suspension platform so yes it is a dave weagle design suspension but we're not going to slot it into the dw category we're going to um it's it's a little bit different than that while it does use two short links um what's different is it is 100 percent sort of designed around a single chainring application and also the lower link this is where it gets really interesting actually is the lower link it it ro- rotates around the bottom bracket so if you can if you can picture that you've got your bottom bracket then the link is rotating around it which is of course a, it's a, it differentiates it from the other dw links that are out there um but also gives it i think its own personality that is going to be completely different than what we've sort of felt with some of these other dave weagle designed suspensions um you you haven't been on it 
yet. I hope we can get that to happen because um, I think I think you'd really like it. Yeah. So, uh, and we're talking about the Rowl here. So, can you give us a little bit of a rundown of just what the bike is in terms of travel and wheel size and geometry and all those kind of basic stuff? Yes, absolutely. So let's uh, let's get into that. So let's just stick it right in the trail category right off the bat. We got one fifty travel front, one forty rear. Um, it's got a, the typical mix of parts you'd expect. Uh, moving into twenty three, there'll be two. Um, Two, two builds for this so it's going to be really simple for you to pick one it's going to be either a gx or an xt build with some upgrade options for you out there as well uh this this bike definitely is in the middle of this trail category where as far as oh uh, you know the numbers what you're looking at it is yes it's progressive and i kind of hate to use that word but what we're looking at, you know, for steep tube angles, head tube angles, and reach, it really is in the middle of the category for what we're seeing now. Um, yes, it's, you're going to find some things. You know, this bike is a couple of years old at this point. We call it old because the numbers are still very current. But we are seeing reach numbers starting to get pushed out a little bit further in this category. And that's not to everybody's liking. I, I think this one where this one sits for a large, which is the size that I'm testing here at 470 in the reach, feels really good because we don't have a seat tube angle that's incredibly steep either. So it keeps that number really manageable. And how does it, how does it feel on the trail? Well, it feels like a really nimble, fast, agile trail bike. It doesn't go into that long, fast category like a, like a, um, a true enduro bike today does. It, um, it kind of like, it belies its numbers just a little bit. I think the real standout number here is how short the chainstays are. 425. Can you think of another bike in this category that short? I'm going to put you on the spot. No, I don't have anything that's quite that short off the top of my head. That is, yeah, like you said, very notably short for a 140 bike these days. Yeah. So, and I, you know, think about like what we just went through a few minutes ago was how that lower link rotates around the bottom bracket. So that allows us to really have that link sucked right into the bottom of that bike, making that chainstay really short. Personally, I love a short chainstay. Uh, what's how do you feel about that? I'd say depends a bit on the bike and what else is going on with it, but generally speaking, tend to favor a little more kind of medium to moderately long for, especially for the sort of like generally longer slacker enduro bikes that I spend a lot of time on yes. and kind of tend to gravitate towards. Yeah, like I think that's where personal preference definitely comes into place. If you are like me, you like a short chainstay, and I, I do. I don't. I don't say that's exactly. I like every bike to have a short chainstay, but in certain applications, and this one being one of those, I think it works really well. Um, you know, you, you can get into a situation where you have a longer chainstay, then you can throw a steeper seat tube angle at that bike, and throw a lot of reach at it, and then on just undulating terrain that that front end's going to resist coming up a little bit more wouldn't you agree and it doesn't doesn't yeah for sure i mean there's certainly trade-offs involved in that yeah it doesn't feel quite as playful on a trail so where where this bike is being tested right now buena vista colorado we have well we have technical chunky some kind of you know they're they're rowdy but they're not they're not a lot of long descents this time of year because the the high country of course is still under snow so 
where currently where it's being ridden, um, we have a lot of, you know, very undulating, very kind of like punchy terrain, very techy, tight corners, all that stuff. And this is where that bike really shines because that kind of compact feel, that short chain stay, it's really effortless to get that front wheel up and over obstacles really smoothly. It gets into a manual real nicely. Um, but, you know, with that sort of a chain stay, if you really pull up hard on that bike, you got to be ready because it's going to come up quickly. Um, I, I like that. That feels really good. And combined with the way that Orion suspension is working, uh, it plays together very nicely. That suspension, it it really is nice and um, subtle off the top. Pedals incredibly well. Just it feels like every bit of momentum. I'm sorry, any anything you're putting into the pedals is pushing you forward and is carrying speed, not getting hung up. I'm really impressed by how that suspension feels. I really am. Um, it, it just does everything really well that, that I'm riding it on currently. So I'm going to say big, big thumbs up so far. Yeah. So I guess sort of to summarize that, you're sort of describing it as a little bit snappier pedaling, quicker handling end of the 140 travel trail bike spectrum and just pretty well sorted out for that general kind of use case and target. Absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't have a steep head angle either. 65.16 in head angle. Definitely not steep. And we're seeing slacker now. Um, but we also still see some bikes in this category in that 66 range. That's not uncommon. So I'm going to say and put that in the middle. However, it feels, I think, a little bit more agile and a little bit quicker than those numbers would suggest. Uh, I think that's attributed to that short chain stay and that reach number. So um, a really very easily manageable bike. Now, if you're in an area that has, you know, weird chunky terrain and you're not looking for extracting the most amount of speed on this thing onto sense, I, this could be a really good choice for you. I mean, a really good choice for anybody. So this is, and this is how Esker builds this bike. It is a trail bike. It's a get on it anytime you want to ride any kind of terrain, that kind of bike, feel good about everything. So, so far I'm going to be in agreement with that. Now, the caveat is I have not had it on long, fast, chunky descents yet. That's going to come. So we'll see how that shorter chain stay that shorter, you know, that more agile handling is going to um, trying to transmit to a um, to a more of a fast, rowdy descent. Yeah, that all kind of checks out and seems like a neat option, particularly as as you sort of alluded to, there are a lot of bikes are just getting, even in the kind of mid-travel trail range, are getting increasingly longer and slacker and more stable, but certainly giving up some kind of quick handling in exchange for that. And so for folks who aren't necessarily thrilled with that, direction things are moving seems neat. And so I guess to sort of continue with the 140, 150 trail bikes, I've been spending a bunch of time on the Trek Fuel EX and I sort of gave some very early impressions of this bike when I last spoke to Dylan Wood on one of these reviewer reports episodes, but I had very limited time on it at that point and having now ridden it a whole lot more, kind of got some more fleshed out thoughts on it. And as I mentioned Last time around, one of the more interesting things about that bike, which again, 140 rear travel, 150 fork, full 29er, at least in the size large that I've been riding. There's some variability depending on frame size. Check out our first look for the whole rundown on that. Is that it's got way more geometry adjustability than 
most bikes in this kind of travel range or really most bikes period there's a flip chip to change bottom bracket height and head tube angles and then on top of that a kind of custom offset angle headset that you can swap in to toggle that by plus or minus a degree as well and so i've been kind of working my way through the whole range of settings and experimenting a bunch and generally speaking it feels like a pretty well-rounded all-rounder trail bike i think it's definitely based on your description of it a little more stable and planted and not quite as quick handling as the esker but definitely doesn't feel like it's really trying to be like a big enduro bike or anything either it's still a proper all-rounder trail bike even kind of at the longer slacker end of the travel range it's just trending it a little more stable and a little more calm handling but not fully transforming the bike into something different either pedals pretty well not necessarily the most absolutely exceptionally efficient bike in this class but better than average i would say by a little bit and just generally nicely sorted out suspension pretty good small bump sensitivity including under power attractions good pedaling it's a good technical climber kind of the one real notable gripe that i've had with it thus far is that so i'm testing the 9.8 xt build so it's a shimano xt drivetrain and brakes which is all great and bontrager carbon wheels and so on pretty good spec for the money but it's got a fox 36 performance fork with the grip damper and the float x performance rear shock with non-adjustable compression and the compression damping tune particularly on the shock just feels lighter than i would like and there's just not as much damper support to the bike as i would like it to have and so it's a little bit quick to kind of blow through travel on faster rougher sections just the bike's not getting held up quite as well as i'd like it to and so um i really do think that's all pretty much down to damper tune and lack of adjustability making it hard for me to do much about that rather than a kind of fundamental issue with the frame or anything but have you have you tried any um any volume reducers in the um in the can yeah i've experimented with that a fair bit and it's not yeah i really do think it is damper tune rather than anything to do with spring settings basically um i'm not bottoming it out hard or anything like that but it's just not not doesn't have as much compression damping as i'd like it to and so um at least personally, I think I'd be a lot happier on a different configuration, but just with the damper reconfigured. But um, otherwise, the bike's working out really nicely. So um, that bit's a little disappointing. But I wonder. It's like you know, you mentioned all the um, adjustability that it has. Um, headset flip chip. What is it? Is there a chainstay? Sorry, I didn't catch that as well. No, uh, no, there's not a change day one. There's a second flip chip that changes the amount of uh, progression in the leverage curve. So you've got that option as well, but not a change day adjustment. Right, right. Yeah, it's sort of like the the um, the stump jumper Evo had lots has lots of uh, adjustability on it, similar to that. Yeah, quite similar range though. Yeah, but configured a little differently. So the stump jumper does have some change day adjustment in the mix too, which the track doesn't. But um, yeah, broadly similar in some ways. 
similar yeah which to to back up to the escrow doesn't have any flip chips any adjustability whatsoever um so i mean it's whatever whatever you prefer is is, is where it comes down to isn't it personally I, I like it when they don't have any adjustability um i think that's a that's a good thing but there's also nothing wrong with all the adjustability too yeah i mean i guess and the thing that i would say about all the adjustments on the track are that they definitely change the way the bike feels and performs for sure but i think they've done a pretty good job of giving some options but having the range of them narrow and tailored enough that it doesn't feel like you can get yourself too far off in the weeds and make the bike do anything really weird by kind of combining them in ways that don't come together reasonably coherently so it's sort of some fine tuning of the character of what is overall a pretty consistent feeling bike and so uh if you're the sort of person who's inclined to mess around and experiment and try the whole set suite of options it's there for you but it's not like they are making for an entirely different feeling bike or you can get yourself in too much trouble with them if you're not the sort of tinkerer who really wants to dial everything into the nth degree so in that respect i think it's it's quite well worked out and they've done a good job kind of giving some fine-tuning options but not making it too extreme to the point that the bike doesn't work in some combinations of settings and that kind of thing i remember going for a ride with a friend that had just gotten a, <laughs> a stump jumper evo and uh gosh we, we stopped i don't know every few minutes it's felt like and make another adjustment go back no change it no make another adjustment um yeah, maybe yeah, fine tune it when you're out riding by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And then, well, to sort of keep it moving along here with some more bikes in a similar-ish travel range, we've got the recently updated Ibis Ritmo V2S that we've both been spending some time on. So talked about this a little bit on here too, but curious for your take since I was the one talking about it last time around. And it's sort of light refresh of the Ritmo, uh, same front triangle as the V2 that it just replaced with the S denoting a new swing arm. Um, so still 147 rear travel with a 160 fork, but, uh, kind of beefed up rear end. Ibis says it's a fair bit stiffer than the old one and some little refinements to go with that different link bushings and stuff. And, um, how have you been getting along with that so far? I've been getting along very well with it. I traditionally have gotten along well with the Ritmo. It's, it's a bike that I've enjoyed riding since its introduction. And um, it, it has evolved quite a bit since then. Um, and that evolution, I feel like, is, is definitely taking it towards the, well, the more enduro side of, um, of well, of any category, really. Um, it is, it, it's hard to... Um, it's hard to deny its intentions when you have, when you have a look at the build... And, you know, we've got a Fox 38 on the front now, Float X2, double ASA guys, EXO plus casings. So it's, it's letting you know its intentions just standing still. It is, um, it is definitely an aggressive enduro-focused bike. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, particularly kind of for the travel range it's in. And so, like, I think it's sort of in an, an interesting middle ground because for a sub 150 travel bike it's definitely on the burlier more stable end of the range 
both, as you sort of said, in terms of the build spec, but also just in terms of how it actually rides. But as we've sort of seen enduro bikes, true enduro bikes get longer and slacker and grow and travel in the last handful of years, it's still definitely feels, you know, it's not a full double 170 travel it's not in the Rocco range or something. No, and it's and it's and it's head tube and it's head tube isn't that slack. It's uh, sixty four point nine. Yeah, right. And so, I think I think that's exactly right. So it's sort of in an interesting kind of middle ground where it's splitting the difference, I guess, between a lot of the sort of true trail bikes we've been talking about and the bigger, more modern class of really full on enduro bikes. And I think it straddles that line pretty nicely and so for someone who wants something that's just a bit more planted and confidence inspiring going fast than a lot of the real all-rounder trail bikes out there but wants something that's still a little more efficient pedaling a little more nimble than a really big enduro bike it does make a bunch of sense i i agree yeah i mean it it still it pedals fantastically um but <laughs> but it's hard to push Asa guys around front and rear i'll be honest with you like you know it, it is that's um that's not a tire that's that's built for speed uphill or flat terrain it feels like you definitely slows you down a little bit there's nothing wrong with that i absolutely adore that tire to be clear i do um and um, that's where i was like in this in this category i'm like okay this this does make sense i think for the most part but um it's it's kind of a selection you might see uh, on that 170 bike we just talked about, versus where we are in this travel, um, and that's where this 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 bike does have that sort of interesting dichotomy going on. Yep, that's pretty much my take on it too. And yeah, I think personally I would probably shy away from the dual Asagai configuration. I'd just in favor of something a little quicker rolling in the back up front. I'm totally happy with it, but. I'm right there with you. And then again, at the same time, I'm like, well, tires are a wear item. Yeah, You don't like it. Ride the bike a bunch, wear them out, get something different. Yeah, right. And <laughs> we were talking about this the other day. It's, I mean, I've certainly complained about tire spec on bikes before and um, will do so as appropriate. But at the same time, it's a completely impossible thing to get right for every person out there. And so there's, you know, different terrain, different personal preferences, etc. And so... There are there are certainly some choices that feel just objectively wrong occasionally, but there's no universal 100% right answer either. So I don't know. It's a tough one. Well, when we compare uh, we compare this bike, for instance, to to the Esker here, they they're not that far apart in travel. They're not that far apart in head angle, or you know, I mean, they are quite a bit far further apart, for instance, in reach. But uh, they really couldn't feel more different on the trail. They, they really couldn't like as the, the Ibis, it just, it just feels like a bigger bike in every regard. It, um, it does give you, it does give you more confidence. It does. It does. Once you make, push those, um, push those speeds up a little further on the sense, it, it just feels like more bike and, um, does not feel as, as quick or as agile. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, oh, I mean, I guess. I, I would say it definitely pedals as well. The pedaling, I'm going to say, is going to be on par. The both those bikes pedal about the same. Just feels like you know, on the Esker, you're just going to go. This is going to respond a little bit faster, um, and that's going to be because you know tire choices and and things like that as well. But 
it just feels like a much bigger bike than that does. And that's, that's interesting to me when they're close enough in travel to be considered in the same category. Their angles and their geometry is close enough, but they're completely different in personality on the trail. I absolutely, I, I love both of them. Um, so it would depend on where I'm riding, which bike I would choose at the moment, essentially. And then I guess sort of to keep this set of comparisons rolling here, I've been spending time on another 150 rear, 160 front travel bike, you know, real similar numbers to the Ibis, but the uh, Starling Murmur. So very different approach to building that sort of bike. So it's a steel single pivot. Again, I've been testing it with a relatively burly build on. It's got a RockShox Zeb on the front and a super deluxe coil rear shock, so on and so forth. It's pretty interesting. I've been getting along with it well. Uh, and I would say that in sort of, they call it the murmur enduro build you can also configure it with a shorter shock and fork in the trail configuration which i've not been on but um in terms of sort of the quote-unquote amount of bike it is i'd say that it's in a similar ballpark to the ibis or maybe just a smidge more stable and planted and not quite as quick handling um the ibis definitely pedals more efficiently but the murmur is again in that sort of general range of bikes that are kind of blurring the lines between like a true trail bike and a the really biggest burliest enduro bikes out there and it's been a really long time since i've been on a true single pivot bike without some kind of linkage for modifying leverage curves and what have you and it's been kind of interesting seeing kind of how that all stacks up and uh the small bump sensitivity definitely isn't amazing it's it feels a little bit firmer off the top than you would generally get from a bike with a more progressive leverage curve where you've got kind of more supple suspension early and it ramps up further down in the travel sort of as expected not a huge surprise there but the bike doesn't feel particularly kind of harsh or stiff exactly it's just it's a, it's firmer and more supportive in early in the travel but still rides really nicely, feels smooth and planted. And um, I think there's something to be said for kind of the combination of suspension performance and then just ride quality out of the definitely not super stiff steel frame that's getting some flex in and kind of coming together as a package. And um, interestingly, the bike, yeah, like I said, definitely the frame does not feel super stiff for sure but it hasn't felt like unduly or problematically flexy i guess is how i would put it there's a little bit more give to it and it doesn't feel mega precise in that it's like holding the exact line you're on super super strongly in the way that you kind of can with a really stiff frame but it doesn't really feel vague or giving me trouble it's just it's a different feel from a lot of more conventional modern bikes but in a package that all kind of comes together and actually rides really nicely in particular it corners at kind of medium to higher speeds really well there's just a little the bottom bracket's pretty low the geometry is really well sorted out for kind of loading it up through the pedals and cornering hard in better supported faster turns especially and i've been having a good time on it it's just 
something different and kind of fun to have a bike that really stands out in terms of having a very different combination of feel and performance from most of what's out there but it's a a package that all works pretty nicely Uh, that's a bike i'd love to ride too i'm excited to see more steel suspension bikes coming back onto the market i think that's cool yeah me too and um well yeah we've got some more coming coming through blister in the near term actually so i guess well i'll leave that teaser there for now but stay tuned for more steel suspension stuff happening so i guess to pivot to something rather dramatically different in just about every respect i guess except for color they're both pink i've been spending some time on the new transition smuggler so their re-released kind of short-ish travel trail bike bumped up a little bit from the prior iteration so it's now 130 rear 140 front travel full 29er um very similar layout and aesthetic to just about everything in transitions lineup i guess apart from their dh bike so horse link vertically oriented jock etc etc and it's kind of exactly what you'd expect it to be the geometry is on the aggressive side for a 130 travel bike and so it's definitely more stable more oriented towards being pushed kind of hard and going fast than a lot of 130 travel trail bikes often feel with it and it's not it doesn't feel like it's kind of a an overgrown xc bike or anything like that it's definitely on the burlier harder charging end of the range for that travel class and so i guess what i'd say that it feels like it makes the most sense for is someone who is interested in pushing hard on descents and trying to go fast on them but wants a bike that doesn't need a super burly technical descent to be exciting and engaging on so if that makes sense like it's it's not a, a really lackadaisical, easygoing bike, but it's not a bike that needs to be going down a World Cup downhill track to feel fun. Do you um, do you have an idea of like what what is that? Give me give me a couple of numbers off that geometry. I haven't haven't seen the details on this bike yet. Yeah, um, so I'm on a large. It's 45 reach, 65 head tube angle, seat tube angles 77 degrees and change, and then four. 40 chain stays on the large yeah kind of on the longer slacker end for a 130 bike but i yeah i think in particular kind of the bit where it's just got a little more stability and wants to be going a little faster than most 130 bikes to kind of come into its own but is a lot of fun on not super steep, not super rowdy trails if you're still trying to push it hard and go fast on those kind of things. And it pedals great, sort of a little more surprisingly efficient than I perhaps might have expected. So for someone who's kind of got that right riding approach and wants to push a short travel bike kind of hard, it's shaping up to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like we could almost be, how we compared the s to the Ibis, we could almost compare it to the Esker as well in, in numbers. I mean, yes, travel is definitely lower, of course, but the numbers, other numbers are very close. Well, yeah, the chainstay length kind of standing out. It's, you got what, 
15 millimeters of difference in it, which is... That one is definitely not close, but head angle and Z-tube angle, yes, miles Miles, apart. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, it's been been a whole bunch of fun. Yeah, it's not the chainstay length of a much longer travel bike. Yeah, it does. It's definitely... And well, yeah, one of the other interesting things is that, yeah, so I said, yeah, 440s, the chainstay is on the large carbon frame. For some reason, the alloy frame's even a smidge longer than that. So, and those do vary by size, so... There's yeah some variability in that depending on frame size, but it's pretty long for a 130 bike for sure. Any any flip chips or adjustability in that? Nothing. For whatever reason, Transitions had that lower shock mount flip chip for a geometry adjustment on a lot of their longer travel bikes, but they've dropped that on the Smuggler. So um, kind of what you see is what you get. You can bump it up to 140 rear travel by taking the shock spacer travel limiter out if you're so inclined but they ship at 130 yeah with that removed it'll go up to 140 Dude, what's what are they um what are they saying is max fork travel for the um for it ships with 140 fork i think they condone a 150 if you want to do that gotcha so you could have a 150 140 bike as well yeah good and well to sort of bring it home here i think one of the many exciting updates about having you on board at the team at blister simon is that you're heading up some e-bike testing for us, which is something that we've not been doing a whole lot of to this point. And where do you want to kick it off there? Okay, so we've been spending a lot of time now on the Shuttle LT and uh, have over 100 miles on this bike, um, which of course doesn't take that long when you're considering e-bikes. But we are still in winter here and uh, kind of in and out of storms, but um, have had this bike out on dirt quite a bit. It has... A huge battery. Okay, let's start with that. I have yet to really, to really um, put a dent in the range when I've been out on this thing. I've been out on it for almost three hours and didn't even go through half of uh, the battery indicated life. So, I mean, that's exciting. Yes, with a heavier, um, big bat, with a big battery, bigger battery. Excuse me, comes you know a little bit more weight, and you know, not unlike electric cars, it seems to be um, a little bit of a Oh, a little bit of a, I was going to say, arms race to the biggest battery available. And while they're not the biggest, they're definitely up there. Um, and do you absolutely need the biggest battery? That's another question that we're um, we're going to be answering as we get onto more of these um, e-bikes with long range capabilities. I, I'm going to say this thing is most likely going to be good for probably six hours of riding. Now, caveat with that is, of course, Every time you go out, it's going to be different depending on the terrain that you're on. Um, where we're at here, we can get up really high, do some really extended climbing. And um, not currently because we still have snow in the high country. But once that starts to clear out, we'll be pushing this thing up into the high country uh, to see really how far we can go on this um, on this battery. Um, it's not a removable battery. It's not something you're probably going to, you're not going to carry an extra, for instance, or have a supplementary battery. And I don't think you're ever going to need one, uh, to be honest with you. This, this is going to take you as far as I think you're going to want to go on a single ride. Uh, everything about this bike is, is just really well integrated. The, the frame's beautiful. Uh, the parts selection, you know, it's got an XTR build. Uh, it's, it's beautiful to look at. Uh, I mentioned this in the um, in the first look in the flash review that I love the lines of this bike. Just like how the chain stays, uh, sorry, seat stays form sort of a straight line up with the um, the top tube. It's just it's a good looking bike. 
no doubt about it. It is the Shimano EP8 drive system. Now, I've been on a few other drive systems as well, uh, Bosch and uh, Bros. So they all have a little bit different personality. So far, I really like um, the power delivery and the torque of the um, EP8. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that we're going to be talking about in the long form review now is how, how does this bike really feel as a, as an integrated package, you know, how does it, uh, how does that transmit to, uh, trail feel and how, how it performs out on the trail so far that's looking really positive. I think I've done a really good job of just sort of making this a complete, you know, package. David, you were just out here and our plan was to go out and get out on an e-bike ride. And of course, Murphy's Law came in and it piled a bunch of snow like the day before you arrived. So we did actually get out. You didn't get a chance to get on this. Um, and that's a shame too, because I think you really would have really would have enjoyed it. So yeah, this is their long travel version. They've got, a, they've got the SL, which is a shorter travel um, shuttle. It is... Um, it is all of that. It's a Fox 38, you know, it's got all the travel you could ever need. I think on this particular bike, um, the only the thing that's sort of interesting is that sizing wise, it's, it's, they've managed, I'm on a medium. So put it in perspective. I've never, I've, I've never ridden a medium on anything. And, um, on this bike, went back and forth with him a little bit and decided that the medium was going to be um, a better choice for me. And 100% agree. It, it feels perfect in every regard. So I guess I'm a medium now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just to put that into some context, how tall are you? Six foot. Yeah, their sizing on those runs definitely on the big side. And definitely could have gone either way. But I, it feels, as soon as I get on, you know how when you get on a bike, and it feels right right away. This felt right away. It felt right to me right away. The um, the reach was perfect. Everything felt exactly where I wanted. So I, I'm glad we decided on the medium is where I'm coming from in this. And if this is a bike that you're considering, um, I guess my advice is to try and get on it first and 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 see how that feels because I went down to a medium. Now that's not going to be the case for everybody at my height range. You might end up feeling like you like the large better, but for me, the medium was the right choice. And um, I'm really happy with that. So make a note of that if you're if this is a bike that's on your radar, definitely um, entertain a smaller size. Okay. the The spec is well thought out, of course. Uh, Pivot always does a good job with that. And um, it is, of course, it's a DW linked bike. That's kind of a, kind of the theme of the theme of this podcast. It seems like lots of DW in there. Where we're at right now is. We want to test the, the full range of this bike, get more miles on it. You know, if that means having to uh, having to ride home unassisted, so be it. But like, bear in mind, like with a battery of this size, that that could be a six hour ride. So you're going to want to be be ready for a really long day out on the bike. You know, an e bike, especially one you know that's got the capability of this, you're going to go further, of course, and you're going to go faster. So you're going to be hitting more obstacles and at you know higher velocities so there'll be more impact so i'm feeling like this particular bike it requires a different sort of fitness it requires you to be more like in between sort of 
motorcycle and and bike fitness. It's like more upper body. It's going to take more effort to ride smoothly to get that front end up and over things because you know that big battery sitting in a down tube that's going to affect how you're getting over and up and over things. Um, timing, you know, timing the power delivery to help get that front end up. You know, it's all part of this you know sort of e-bike puzzle, I suppose, about how how you ride it, and it's. It's really awesome to to think about it in that regard. Uh, this is where I kind of revert back to how I think Pivot's done a nice job of, of uh, making this a cohesive package. And that when you do ride it for long periods of time, it's not like you come back feeling beaten up. It's a it's a different type of tire than you would if you rode really far on an on just sort of a, a regular mountain bike. Just call those you know, mountain bikes, right? Um, it you know it's going to it's going to feel more in the shoulders and your core. Um, yeah. So altogether, the more time on this further distances, pushing the range capabilities, see how far we can go. From what I've seen so far, that, that picture looks good. It's going to, it's going to have you out on the trail for a really long time. I think if you're someone that has sort of range anxiety, like this is the place to be in, um, in an e-bike and, yeah, I, I think I think it's great so far. Yeah, and this is sort of something that we've been talking about a bit that I think is one of the interesting questions with e-bikes as they're getting refined and figured out a bit better is that sort of, like you said, sort of how much range are most people actually going to need and how significant are the trade-offs in just throwing more battery on the bike and consequently adding weight and you know, is it the case where for the most part, more really does tend to be more or are there going to be a lot of folks who are really going to be better off with something that's lighter, maybe a little lower powered, smaller battery, et cetera, and have a bike that rides differently as a result. And, uh, we've, like you said, have a big slate of e-bikes coming through here and are going to be getting on a much wider breadth of them soon so it's going to be quite interesting to see how it all shakes out and uh curious for your thoughts it's it's an it's an exciting time because we're seeing that we're seeing the you know the development go sort of two directions the 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 really long range and then the the lighter weight well shorter range and less power as well so so keep in mind like if you do decide to go that you know that lighter weight, smaller battery, um, less power, then you will be supplying more of your own power. So if you're out on an e-bike ride with other folks that have these bikes, you're going to be pedaling harder to keep the same pace. That's just how it's going to go. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Like to be clear, when you're riding this bike, I'm going to be pushing the pedals just as hard as I would on any other bike and getting just as much exercise, but going to be going so much faster and covering so much more terrain, you know? Here's to breaking on the uphills, you could say, right? Because that's what's happening. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. It just it changes the whole way you look at a trail system and a trail because now that a climbing trail can have a completely different look to it. Yeah. And just excited to have you on board, Simon, and have more good folks writing reviews around here and getting this e-bike coverage spun up. So all very exciting stuff. And been great sitting down to chat bikes as always so thanks for doing it and we will talk again soon i am sure oh yeah my pleasure it's my favorite thing to talk about as it turns out yeah me too so this has been great 
Thanks again, Simon. Talk soon. Yeah. Cheers, David. All right. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And as always, we would really appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts to help keep the show going and growing. I also want to say thanks to Simon Stewart for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode. And thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody.